I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Gino Barbaro. Gino is someone who honestly I think probably doesn't need a whole lot of introduction in the real estate space. Uh, one of the founders of Jake and Gino. He's got a, a huge uh, educational component to that. But but first of all, Gino, let, let me say thank you for coming on the show today. I really, really appreciate having you. And I would love it if if really maybe you can share your background, tell us about yourselves, kind of where you came from, and then and then we'll dive into you know, sort of all that you've accomplished. Sure. Good morning, Jason. I just want to thank you for having me on as well. And I, my life is, I would say, a tale of two worlds. It was, you know, pre-real estate and now post-real estate. And I had started out in the restaurant business. I went to college in 1992. I graduated from Fairfield University. I'll go way back for you. And I just wasn't the cubicle person. How many of you out there sit in a cubicle right now and you're like, it's not for me? Well, I did it for a year. And this is pre-Giuliani. It's how far back we're going. New York City was not what New York City is when the boom was. I was sat there. I did it for a year. I'm like, I don't want to do this. And my dad had been in the restaurant business forever. So naturally, I said, Dad, let's go into business. Let's become entrepreneurs. And that's what I thought the entrepreneur was. Just open up a business. And we opened up a restaurant in 1994. I've been making payroll. Haven't gotten a paycheck from anybody since that time. It's been a long time. And I enjoyed it. I thoroughly loved working in the restaurant business. I loved working with my family. I loved working with my brother and my mom. It was just a great business for the first 15 years. It felt like what Florida feels like right now, back in the 90s, New York. New York was thriving. It was booming. People were moving out of the city and coming up to upstate New York where I was. I was about an hour north of the city. And I felt that. I felt the demographics. I felt people had money. They wanted to go out. There were different eating habits. People would actually go to restaurants, sit down, no phone, and enjoy a meal. They wouldn't go to Panera and get this fast food. They'd actually come down and have a meal. And there wasn't that much competition. There weren't that many restaurants back then. So we did really well for the first 10, 12, 15 years. Then something called the Great Recession hits in 2008. My dad dies previously in 2007. He passes away. And I asked myself the question, I mean, am I living his dream or am I living my dream? And I wasn't sure. He was such a big component of my life. I mean, I'm 38 years old at the time, but I had gone to work with him every day since I was eight. I mean, I went to the restaurant religiously when I was a little kid going to school, going to work. And I would say to myself, I guess everyone, you know, goes to work with their dads and everyone owns a restaurant. That's what I thought. And it was so ingrained in me. And when, when the Great Recession hit, everyone got affected. I mean, you know, everyone in the real estate world, but what do they do? They go out and eat. And so the restaurant was not doing any business. We were slow. And all of a sudden, Grubhub is coming. Uber Eats is coming. People are ordering online. And remember, we're the mom and pop. And I've got my mom and my brother who are a little hesitant to changing. So technology is not there. And I'm saying to myself, I need to do something else. I had invested money in other assets in real estate. I had done a mobile home park, which was a disaster back in 2005. Then I bought a mixed-use building, which was not a good investment in New York. And that ultimately led me to real estate and multifamily. And I met Jake, my partner in 2009, he was a pharmaceutical rep, and he was going through those massive shifts in 
in you know healthcare because he was taking catering food out of a restaurant and going to doctor's offices. Well, the Sunshine Act literally disallowed that. So he was having problems in his industry. And he said, I have to do something else as well. He had a doctor back then in 2009, 2010, a lot of these doctor groups were, they were transitioning and they were getting bought out by these big medical groups. There was one doctor, Dr. Neshi that was holding out. And Dr. Neshi said, you know, Jake, I'm doing this because I like to do this. I want to be a doctor. I don't have to. I've got a ton of real estate up and down the East Coast that if I didn't, you know, if I didn't practice being a doctor, I wouldn't have to because I've got my real estate. And I always stuck in Jake's mind. And Jake said, I want to do this real estate thing. I just don't know where to go. So when he moves down to Knoxville in 2011, I said, Jake, when you get down there, let's start looking at deals together. Let's see what makes sense because New York, the taxes, the insurance, the labor, these deals don't cash flow. But in Knoxville, the numbers looked really good. And, and when he moved down there, it took us 18 months to find that first deal. And it was a struggle, you know. And in the meanwhile, his fiance at the time was living in New York. She moves down and we stop looking for a few months because he goes out and buys a house and we pick it up again. And, you know, after those 18 months, we closed that first deal, the 25-unit deal. Three months after that, we closed our second deal. And then six months after that, we close our third deal. So within the first year of our purchase, we had 200 units. And that's where it really started. And, you know, the why for me and the why for real estate, if you take a step back, I think every niche in real estate is amazing. They all have their bonuses, pluses and minuses. But for me, it was the scalability of multifamily. I was still doing the real estate full time. And I'm sorry, the restaurant full time. I couldn't go and flip houses and work 50 hours a week in the restaurant, but I could buy a 25 unit and manage that and then buy a 36 unit and continue to manage that while I was working at the restaurant. And I had a plan for myself to get out of the restaurant and go into multifamily full time. That's what I love about multifamily and the scalability. And then ultimately thinking about it as a business, when everyone out there starts buying single family homes and they start spreading themselves out, they lose the vision of why we're in real estate. Real estate really is a multifamily. It's an entrepreneurial venture. You're trying to set up little businesses within each one of these properties that we're buying. They're all little cash cows, as I like to refer to them. And once you start implementing systems into them, you can extract yourself out of it. You don't have to manage all these properties. You can hire property management. You don't have to do maintenance on these properties. You can hire it. So if you can start from the very beginning, thinking about it as a business, as a multifamily entrepreneurial venture, and being able to hire these people, that's the real attraction of multifamily. And that's what attracted me because I'm like, I can't scale my restaurant. It's really hard because it's so dependent upon the food and about the chef in the kitchen and the profit margins are so low and tax benefits, there's not really that many. And I said, but real estate, take a look at what, all the benefits of multifamily. So I know that was a long answer. I just wanted to give people an idea of, I'm just like a lot of people out there, real estate was not on my radar for the first part of my life. Didn't know about it. I was happy with what I was doing until I wasn't. And then I really dove deep and saying, why am I unhappy? What am I doing in my current job right now that I could be doing better? And there's not a lot of things we have to change. We just need to improve a few things. I needed to improve my mindset. I needed to improve the people that were around me. And that's, you know, once I started doing that, things started changing for me positively. Yeah. And I think, uh, thank you for that sort of background, because I think it all, you know, as I interview people on this podcast, I, I, it all matters, right? Like your background, you, you know, your, where you came from, how that plays into what you're doing as you get into real estate. Most people don't, there are some people that do start out in real estate, but most people don't sort of seem to start in that space. They come from some other world, some other industry, whatever the case may be. But I think it all impacts you. And I think, you know, your point about was I, was, were you living your dream or your dad's dream? I, I, you know, these are all 
valid questions that everybody has. You know, we, we go into our careers, whatever our, you know, maybe pre-real estate career might be with a certain set of notions. And then you, as you sort of, I guess, have your eyes opened to real estate and see, as you mentioned, what you can do with scalability, especially in the multifamily space, that stuff, it, it really changes, you know, the, the way you see everything else. Um, and I, I love what you said about, you know, sort of, we're trying to be at, especially in multifamily, trying to be entrepreneurial and you're essentially running a bunch of little businesses, right? Instead of just having a house here, a house there, you know, that kind of thing. Um, well, at this point, you know, you're sort of, you've got this, a huge machine in place, but maybe can you walk us through a little bit of the beginning stages as, as sort of how you guys sort of grew that business, what your initial steps were, you know, you got, I, I think this, this is also a common theme, it took 18 months to get the first deal. And then, but by the end of that year, you had, you know, over 200 units, that's, that's that law of the first deal, people call it or whatever, you know, that momentum that you pick up. How did you, how did you kind of grow from there? What, it, what things did you do to help scale that business? I think there's two things I'd like to say before I answer that question real quick. The first thing is, people might be listening to this, they may be saying to themselves, well, real estate's at an all-time high, we're going to crash. And, and I'm not disagreeing with any of that. I just think that anybody listening to this, did you think the real estate was at a high back in 2018? Did you think it was at a high back in 2019? Did you think it was a high back in 2020, 2021? Because I did. I only bought 90 units last year thinking that I was at a high. So my only point to that is, it's only the right time when it's the right time for you. Let me say that again. It's only the right time when it's the right time for you because you're not going to get into real estate right away and get a deal. It's going to take you time to educate yourself. It's going to take you time to create relationships. It's going to take you time to learn the market. And if you think the market is you know, stable right now, you don't know what's going to happen six months from now. And you're, you're going to have to understand, learn the three pillars of real estate and our three-step framework. That takes time to do that. So if you're ready for a change in your life, Start now. Don't worry about where the market is because there's something called market cycles. We're cycling through different markets. We're going to learn about that. For me, back in 2009, I just had to learn. Uh, I read the book Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker, and that really, really struck a chord to me because I was blaming him for my troubles. And when the thought in that book, I think the one big overarching view in that book was responsibility. You have to be a responsibility junkie. Your fruits are in your roots. And who was I blaming in 2008? I was blaming the government. I was blaming Obama. I was blaming the jobs. And I wasn't blaming myself because my business model was flawed because there are other people out there making millions of dollars as there are today. And once I took the responsibility, what did I do? I went out and I did some coaching programs. I did Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I signed up with two other real estate mentors in the multifamily space. I wish I had done that pre and back in 2004 and learned the mobile home park space. I would have done really well with that deal, but I didn't know what partnerships were. I didn't even know what a syndication was. My, you know, The deal, the gentleman had created a syndication. He created a security, but I didn't know that. And the deal went really bad, not because of the deal, because of the partnership. And I ultimately had to bear part of that responsibility because I didn't know what due diligence was. I didn't fly down and take a look at these trailer parks. I just gave somebody my money blindly. And I learned that. So when 2009 comes around, I'm massively taking education. And that component of education is really important, everybody. You need to do that. You can go on bigger pockets. You can go on YouTube. That's really, really important. But for me, I needed education. I needed accountability. 
Anybody can sit in their, in their room watching YouTube videos in, in their underwear. But when you have a coaching call with a, your coach, you know, two days later, you need to know the material. When you told the coach, I've got to call three brokers and I've got to underwrite two deals, you're going to do that. But if nobody's holding you accountable, you're not going to do that. And I needed that push on top of, you know, all the other stuff going on because I was busy at the time. I was still working 50 hours a week and it was a grind in the beginning. You know, in the beginning, that that takeoff, it takes a long time. It took me a good solid six months to learn what a cap rate was, cash on cash returns or debt coverage ratios, market cycles, buying outside your market. How does a property management company work with third party property management? It took me a long time to do that. But then when I met Jake, I'm teaching him all of this. And that component, like I said, from 2009 to 2011, really didn't do that much. I wasn't really inspired to do that much. I was still learning. But when he moved down to Knoxville, that's when we said to ourselves, well, let's start looking down here. Since you're down here in that market, let's start doing it. I had bought a couple of duplexes up in Rochester in 2008, thinking that I'm going to invest outside my market and, and get for cash flow. But what I didn't understand is Rochester's a declining market. You're buying very old homes that need a lot of capital expenditures. Jobs are pretty much non-existent. Taxes are high. That resident base is difficult. It's Section 8. They're constantly cycling out. You need, you need to do you know, continuous improvements on it. And if you're not there and able to scale up, it's going to be a difficult endeavor. So I'm glad that I did that because I had third-party property management managing that. And I learned how to deal with third-party. So when Jake starts buying deals down there, it's as if Jake is almost like a third-party property manager and I'm managing from afar. And that 18 months, what do we do wrong in that 18 months? Well, we didn't understand the broker relationship, how important a real estate broker is in multifamily. We thought we were doing them a favor. And when in reality, they're doing us a favor, they're bringing us the deals. And that was a big mistake. You know, Jake was a salesperson, so he understood it, you know, the other way around. We were fortunate that we actually found a really good broker on that first deal who brought us the second deal, who brought us the third deal. So creating those relationships were paramount in real estate, understanding that. Now, back then, unfortunately, there were a lot of deals, but there was no money. And now it's sort of the opposite. Now there's a lot of money and there's less deals. So depending on where we are on the market cycle, we just started buying stuff for ourselves. We just thought, you know what, let's JV, me, Jake, and I had a partner, Mike, buying deals. And we, we continue to do that. We don't really syndicate anymore. We're buying our stuff for ourselves. But we learned strategies like seller financing, master lease options. We learned how to joint venture. We've been able to refi over $20 million out of our portfolio and go into the next deal. So all of these strategies we were doing you know, earlier, earlier on, and it was really a, a great learning experience. That's how we came up with the buy right, manage right, and finance right. Because everyone teaches you how to buy these assets and maybe finance the assets, but no one talks about manage because management is not sexy. But you need to implement core values in a business. You need to implement a cadence of accountability. You need to implement systems. And that's what we learned as we started scaling up. But the first couple of deals, they were challenging because when you are coming from that W2 mindset, it's I'm a mentality. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do everything. And it's great. But at one point, I'm going to start getting burned out because you have so much responsibilities. So you're trying to get as many units on their, on their ownership so you can start hiring out. And we started property managing our deals ourselves. So the property management on our first deal, Jake was managing it himself because he's trying to get out of his W2 job. So he's able to get property management fee and owner draws. So that's why he was able to, within you know the first year of buying our deals in mid-2014, he left his company and went into it full-time. It took me another two years. March of 2016, I left the restaurant. So three years from buying our first property, I was able to leave, you know, even with having six kids in New York being expensive, I was able to get enough cash flow. And then that equity also being able to refi these deals and buy more deals. That's what allowed me 
to leave three years later. Yeah, I think uh, you know a lot of a lot of really great points there in your 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 idea about you know sort of there, there's a lot of learning that goes into it in the beginning, having mentors to help with that learning curve. But but realistically, you know, there's there's so much to kind of that goes into it that that you don't. There's no way you can read every book, re, listen to every podcast. You can't know it going in, and so having someone that is you know has that experience and is like oh yeah, this, you know, like, oh, I didn't, this came up. I didn't read that in the book, but it's like, oh yeah, this is a part of, you know, things that the people don't talk about. All of that is, is really very valid. And then I think your market cycle comment is extremely relevant to right now, of course, but, but also like coming from someone who, who actually was (laughs) doing real estate at around that time of the, you know, had a business doing real estate around the the time of the, the great recession. And now we're, we're in a, you know, sort of a really weird place in the market cycle where it's like everybody think it should be, thinks it should be tapped out, but, but like you said, thought it should be tapped out in 2018. And and then we have a pandemic and everybody thought real estate should have gone down and it hasn't gone down, but now maybe interest rates are going up and people are worried about it. So it's like, you just have to get, if you just keep waiting for the perfect time, then that'll never come that'll never mm-hmm. come. It's, you know, sort of get in the real estate and then, and then wait. It's probably easier to wait for the perfect time to sell than it is to wait for the <laughs> perfect time to buy because it, 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 you're just never going to know. There's only two times when you really care about the value of real estate is when you buy it and when you sell it. Every other time, it doesn't matter what the value is as long as you buy it right. And I think people have to understand it's really a long-term endeavor. When we bought our first deal back in 2013, we still own that deal. Rents were $350 for a one bedroom. Rents today are $995 plus rubs. Less than a decade, rents have tripled on that property. The yeah. debt hasn't gone anywhere. Expenses have gone up a little bit. But do you see the power of holding a deal for a longer term? And I think everybody who's investing in real estate, think of what your exit strategy is. Jake and I, from the beginning, we wanted to own these assets. We, we didn't want to buy an asset and have to you know, do a lot of work to it. And three years later, flip out and go to the next one. We didn't have to do that because we were able to refinance it. And we had a partner who had a strong balance sheet. So get clear on what your, what your strategy is. I mean, from Jake and myself, I read the book called Small Giants. And I love that book because I felt as if I see so many people out there doing these massive deals, 300 units, 400 units, syndicating, you know, raising $20 million. And I told Jake, I I don't really want that. I love what we're doing. We're buying three to 400 units a year. We've got about 70 employees. Our employees are able to invest in our deals. So becoming clear on what you want your company, what you want your business to do is really important. And there's no right or wrong answer. Syndication is great. If you want to start a syndication company, you can get asset management fees. You can start raising capital. You want a JV on smaller deals. Great. You have more equity, but whatever it means to you and wherever you are in life also, and whatever your resources are, if you've got no time, maybe you just invest passively and help somebody on a, on a, on a general partnership on that side of it. If you've got plenty of time, but no capital, maybe you become boots on the ground and you bootstrap it and you start your property management company. Maybe you've got significant capital and like me, just start investing with other people and partner with other people and let them do a lot of the work. It really depends upon where you are in life and what your goals are and what your end goal is with real estate. Do you want to start investing passively to build up a retirement nest egg or do you want to become more active and ultimately go into it full time? You really have to stop and think about that before you start investing in the asset. Yeah, hundred percent true. It has to fit your, has to fit what you want for your life. And I think, I mean, even, you know, personally it's, 
it's sometimes a hard it's hard to decide that right because you don't know necessarily everything that's involved you you see all that's out there you know social media whatever the, the marketing pr uh, strategies are where where people are like yeah yes syndication is the way to go look at look at how you can scale all of this you know you're, you're you don't even need any money you're using <laughs> there's just like mm -hmm. so much out there that makes it sound like wow what what a perfect thing but okay so if you're that general partner and yeah maybe you don't have to have a lot of money in the deal but there's money to get the deal under contract there's a money that goes into doing due diligence and and at the end of the day there's a whole lot of work right so someone has to be sort of in charge of of making it happen and so if you don't want that for yourself then as you mentioned like being invested as a limited partner makes a whole lot of sense you can get your money working for your for you while you just kind of continue about your life and you receive that those checks you know monthly or quarterly or whatever it is it regardless of of your situation you know still still the still real estate is a good investment strategy you just need to do, to know what what part of that strategy fits into your life i think is, is probably the best way to put it and i think the most important thing that i would say about even if you're investing as a limited partner go out there and learn, join a community, join a group, invest in your education, and don't be short-sighted. You see some of these numbers where people are investing in their education for 20 or $30,000. That is a drop in the bucket when you're investing five or $600,000 of your hard-earned money. You still need to think as if you're going to be investing in these deals and running these deals yourself. You still need to understand market cycles. You still need to understand how to underwrite a deal. You still need to understand how to vet a sponsor and take a look at their team and be able to read a private placement memorandum and be able to understand what a T12 looks like because you're putting money and you're, you're, you're giving money to somebody and you have to be, you're, you're a steward of your own money. You have to understand where that money's going to. That's why I hate the stock market. I hate mutual funds. I don't really understand any of it. And I just don't like giving my money to somebody without understanding the market. And I just don't have any control. I think with real estate, we have a little bit more control and we're able to choose markets we're investing in looking at growth markets, we're able to choose the sponsors who are running these deals, we're able to buy the deals, and we're, we're controlling that asset. So if you're out there considering becoming a limited partner, still think of it as if you're going to be investing in these things actively and get your education and make sure you understand every time you put money into a deal, why are you investing in that deal? Yeah, makes total sense. I mean, it, it's, you're limited in that you don't have to do the work, but doesn't mean you don't, shouldn't try and acquire the knowledge about what's happening so that you can really kind of understand that you're, you're putting your money, putting your investments with the right people. You know, are they, are they doing what you feel should be done with these deals? You know, do your values align all of that? So totally, totally agree. It's, it's, it's passive, but it's probably not, not 100% passive unless, yes. you know, I guess it could be, you could, you could just give your money to anybody, but then, it, then you, you then have to take accountability for that if if things don't go exactly the way you would like them to. Um, so I, I would imagine, you know, a lot of these things, you know, are, are, are things that come up with your education programs and stuff like that. Do you want to talk a little bit about kind of what, uh, you know, what people would get if they, they join the G Jake and G Gino program? What kind of what your your mission is with that? What what are you guys trying to do to, to help people in your in your programs? When anybody's looking for a group community to join, I think it, the group or the community has to resonate with that individual. I think behaviors are belief driven. If you join a group and you don't feel like it and you know, you're thinking, I don't know if I can do it with this group, 
then you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to, you know, close the deals or, or, or do what you're planning to do. So the first thing when you're looking for a group, make sure that it, it resonates with you. For us, we're a family company. I mean, Jake and Gino, the first word that I want people to think of when they think of the, of the brand is family. I have six kids. I started this company because I wanted to empower the, the employees that work with me. I want them to invest in, in real estate. All of us, you know, all of, our, all of our sales team, they're all invested in multifamily. So when you get on a call with them, they all believe in the product. If I'm selling a BMW, you, I better be driving a BMW. It's the same thing with multifamily. I truly believe in the asset. And for our company, you know, all of my kids are part of the business. We've written a children's book. We're writing, we're launching our second children's book next month. And it's really starting from the, from the top up. I want to have families join our community. I want them to be able to have that mindset. It's not just about multifamily. It's about getting students together. We have weekly lessons every Monday with our students. We have about six internal boot camps a year. We have one in May with Manage Right. Uh, we get together and we get on bus tours and we teach our students on the weekends. It's really, really important. That accountability piece is so crucial to it. Getting students together, having accountability pods amongst each other. That's really, really important to me. And that's one of the things that I didn't do early on. I never went to events. And I mean, it was less prevalent back in the day, but it's still an excuse. That really held me back. I should have gone to more live events and I didn't. And that was one of the missions with Jake and Gina. I'm like, I need to get students together. So every two months, we have an event. If you're lagging, you're tired, you're not feeling out of it, well, come to the event and get energized and start talking with other students. I mean, the students right now to date have closed over 40,000 units. I mean, to me, that's super impressive. That's over, yeah. over $2 billion in assets under management. And it just continues to grow. It's like the snowball. Like you said, the first couple of years, there weren't many deals because it takes a little bit of time. But once students start partnering up, and the amazing thing is whether you have, you know, you have doctors in, in the group who can't do it full-time, but you have students who are doing it full-time. They partner up. And that's the great thing about the synergy. You're trying to get people who are like-minded and you're trying to get people who talk real estate. So for me, this, this the whole event with COVID for the last two years hasn't really changed my life that much because I've been able to go to these events. I've been able to be around the students and there's such an elevated group of individuals because they want to be there. They want to be held accountable. They want to say to themselves, I've got a call with the coach next week. I need to do my underwriting. And that pressure that you put on yourself, that once you've invested your money into something, you're going to show up. I've got a singing lesson at 10 o'clock after we're done here. I was thinking of canceling. I'm singing opera right now. But I'm like, you know what? I can't let my, my, my teacher, George, down. So I know that yesterday I had to practice. But if I didn't have this lesson today, I could skip it. And then, you know what? Next week, I can go to the lesson. But something else is going to pop up next week. And I can skip it next week as well. So that's one of the most important things in life is to hold yourself accountable and to put skin in the game. Every week I go, I've got to pay George that money, right? So it's important that I pay for that, for that endeavor. But then when I'm paying for it, I actually have to show up and I have to show up prepared. If you can show up and show up prepared in life and continue to do that week in, week out, that's really hard when you're doing it by yourself. That's really hard when you don't have other people, you're able to ask questions or you're able to learn from them. I mean, smart people learn from their mistakes. Wise people learn from others' mistakes. And I wish I was wise a lot younger, but you know, it takes, took me a while. But for those of you out there, you need to find the community that resonates with you. Are you looking for self-storage? Are you looking for mobile home parks? Are you looking for multifamily, single family, whatever that looks like, just make sure you find the right mentors and they're supposed to be your role models. You want to be able to emulate them. And for me, it's all about family. It's all about creating not even just generational wealth, but for me, it's legacy wealth and legacy skills. 
I, I want to teach my my students the skills, but then I don't want to just leave a pile of money to my kids. I want to teach my kids the skills to generate their own pile of money. And that's what we're trying to do with the community. It really is a mind shift. And you had said, hey, the flavor of the, of the year right now is syndication. Great. Let's learn about syndication. But there are other strategies out there, like creative financing, like we talked about. They will come back in favor. You know, let's talk about mass lease options. They will come back in favor. Let's talk about joint venturing with other people. They will come back in favor. So when the market goes down, you will be able to make money even if it goes down because you'll be able to utilize different strategies. So it's really important. And for me, it's all about community. It's all about that group and just trying to surround yourself with those people. And once you raise the group or the peer level around you, that peer group that's around you, either one of two things are going to happen. You're either going to leave that peer group or you're going to join that peer group and they're going to pull you up. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I love, I love the talk about accountability. I think, uh, you know, your, your opera um, lesson, which is really cool to know, by the way, <laughs> but uh, the, I, I always think about, you know, I, I think about a lot of times in terms of um, athletics and, and like, I have a, I have a, a trainer and I have trainer because mm. for a lot of reasons, but the main reason is the accountability, right? If I have, I have an appointment with him, I'm going to go to the gym. I know I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to, I'm going to get exercise. And the, if, if I didn't have that, there would be probably plenty of days where I'm like, you know what, I'll go tomorrow. But it's like when you have that stuff and you have someone on that accountability team, it, it, it's just going to make you, you're, you know, sort of that much more motivated to perform and, and, and be for yourself, be at, be at your best. So I, I love that. Um, I think, uh, you know, what you talked about in sort of teaching the different strategies is also really important because, because yeah, a lot, a lot of the programs that I've seen, it's like, we, 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 they only talk about syndication, you know, they only, there's like, there's only one way to do it, but for sure, that's not the case. And if, you know, going into a program where you're taught all of the different options is really going to help when, when times get hard, there's times when syndication is probably sort of a, a, I don't want to say easy, but you know, like it's, it's not as hard to make it happen, but, but yeah, market cycles are going to make it having as many tools in your tool belt as possible, like a very good, a very good thing to have. Um, well, do you know, I, I definitely don't want to make you late for your, for your opera lesson. So um, let's, let's switch gears. We'll get to the part where I ask you uh, the questions that I ask each guest. Um, the first one, based on the name of the show being know your why, what is your why? What, what drives you to success? I, I think, sounds like probably we've talked a little bit about it, but, but what really, uh, you know, kind of pushes you day in and day out? It's a tough question to answer because right now I'm, I'm pretty fulfilled. I've got a great job, great business, got six kids, got an amazing wife. What I think really propels me right now is just to be a good role model to my kids and just to have them see that dad's really successful. He's lucky. I never wanted them to equate hard work with like a job that I hated. And that's what was happening to me at the restaurant. I was working every day. I came home tired. I didn't like the job. I didn't want them growing up saying, well, let me link hard work and work and not liking your job. So for me, showing them that you can have a really cool job and really enjoy it and really make a lot of money and monetize and use that money for the good, right? Not just going out and buying toys, but actually, you know, having impact on others. I just want to be a role model for them. And I, I love helping the students. I love seeing student successes every single day, getting those emails in. Um, you know, my wife says I got to stay a little humble, but it's, I mean, how, how can you? And you see somebody leaving their W2 job because 
they yeah. joined the community two years ago. That's really, really fulfilling. And I, I think as you get older in life, it becomes less about you and more about helping others. And that's just the reality. When you're younger and you're not financially free, you're worrying about yourself and you're ingrained, you're always struggling. But once you become financially free, if you can have the the wherewithal or the you know, the grace from God to say, you know, there's not, you aren't just the only one out there. You can help others out there now that you've gotten your due or you've made enough money for yourself. And ironically enough, that's when the opportunities really start happening and all these things start happening. You start becoming the go-giver as Bob Berg likes to say, you start helping others. All of a sudden things start changing. So for me, I guess, I guess the why for me is just to continue to create impact and have just days where I can say, wow, this was an awesome day. I mean, I saw these students and these guys are closing deals and we're changing lives. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, I think there's not a lot of, uh, there's never a wrong answer to that question, but yeah, be being, uh, having impact as your why, whether that's for your, your, your own kids or, or your students, which, you know, I guess in a lot of ways, students become <laughs> sort of your kids also, yes. uh, part of, part of the extended family. Um, totally, totally makes sense. Normally the next question I ask people is what, what, tell us something about yourself that maybe isn't common knowledge. You just dropped the opera bomb, which I, I'm, <laughs> I've never heard that before. And that's, that's very, very cool. Um, if you would like to put something else out there, that's fine. But but I think we can accept uh, you're you're an opera singer as. as Not a, yet. A I'm, I'm an skill. opera singer in I'm an opera singer in training, and this is important. I was just talking to Julius Thomas. He used to play for the Denver Broncos. Um, I mean, two time Pro Bowler. I mean, the guy's amazing. And I get on calls with him every you know six or eight weeks. He's going to be teaching one of our lessons for the community. And the reason why I say this is he's amazing at every sport possible. And he said, I wanted to do a sport that I sucked at. So he says, I want to become a black belt in jujitsu. So I, I reflected, I said, that's probably why I want to become an opera singer or sing opera, because I want to do something that I'm not good at. I want to struggle. I want to, I want to go back in because I want to get back into those emotions and those feelings. Because a lot of the students, when they get into real estate, they have those same feelings. And I wanted to start something that I wasn't good at and, and become and excel and see what what those five or six traits you need to become really good at. You need to be committed. You need to have a vision. You need to have a quality teacher. You need to have the accountability. A lot of those things that I'm going through and singing, very similar to the path that I took in real estate. And anytime you start a new endeavor, everybody out there, it's hard. It's going to be painful. I don't sound great all the time. I make tons of mistakes. But every now and again, I hit a really good note and I hit a really good you know, song there. But it's all from the hard work and it is from the why. So you know, if you're out there and you're starting something new, don't beat yourself up. It takes a little while. Kids go to school for four years. They get a degree after four years. And then what happens? They get a job and they know nothing. They start all over again. So can you imagine if you put a couple of years into yourself and then within three years, you're able to leave your job? I mean, that, that's amazing. Three years goes by like that. You just need to be able to commit to yourself that it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a challenge, but it's going to be fun. You're going to be something doing something different and you're going to be meeting people that you've never met in your life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love that mentality of you know trying to, push yourself to something that that maybe isn't i i assumed you were just previously an opera singer and picked it back up or something like that but no that's uh that is quite a quite a choice to <laughs> decide to have my, as your challenge i love it well it's funny because the kids started and my uh my first lesson was about eight or nine months ago and my you know the, my teacher said well sing something I never sang. I was going to start singing Guns N' Roses. I don't know. So I, I was just frozen. He said, he pulls out, you know, Santa Lucia and he's like, Santa Lucia. So I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. And I, I just came out of me. But there's so much technique. There's so much to learn. 
I'm lucky that I could speak Italian, but I, I could read music as well. But there, it is really challenging. And I liked it, but at the same time, there's a struggle. But it's such a good feeling to learn something that you didn't know six months ago and then getting better yeah. at it and getting better at it. So just give yeah. yourself time when you're learning something. Yeah, for sure. Feeling that growth is like in, in anything, right? It's, it's, yes. it's an amazing feeling that you can get to a point where you're just... If you're really, really good at something, it becomes easy. Maybe, maybe it's not as quite as exciting anymore. So I, I totally get it. You know, wanting wanting to push yourself. Um, when people hear this interview and they they want to reach out to you, what's what's the best way uh, to get a hold of you? Jason, just go to jakeandjr.com. You go to our website. We have our weekly podcast. We have four or five shows every week. We've got a bunch of blogs out there, tons of resources for them. I mean, if they want to reach out to me, they can email me gino at jakeandjr.com, and I've got the book of creative cash. We wrote the book on seller financing and master lease options. And this book is going to become prevalent because to me, debt's going to pull back. That's the first start when debt pulls back or, or, or interest rates go to 10, 11% and you can't get financing out there and you have mom and pop sellers and they're going to want to sell and they're motivated. Well, the deal can't get financed. These tactics and techniques are going to come back. Yeah, absolutely. Final piece for our final question was, Leave us with a with a piece of advice for someone who's uh, you know kind of getting started in in real estate and doesn't really matter as we talked about doesn't matter the strategy but someone getting started what what would you tell them uh, to help motivate them you know towards success? I would use Stephen Covey's wise words: start with the end in mind, and that's with anything whether you're in real estate whether in your corporate world whatever it is what do you want your life to look like at the end. And for me, I wanted impact. I wanted a lot of people out of my funeral. I wanted tons of grandkids and my kids. And so how did I do that? I need to reverse engineer that back. And it wasn't being in the restaurant. I couldn't impact as many people working in the restaurant as I could in real estate. So when you're getting into it, think of what you know your portfolio will look like five or 10 years from now, what you want it to look like. Think of where you want to live. Think of you know what your kind of family you want to have and try to reverse engineer that. And start from there and don't overwhelm yourself because, you know, people look at success and they say, well, that person's doing it. He's closing 200 units, but you don't know how many years that person needed to put in the time mm -hmm. to do that. And don't, you know, you don't get into the gap in the game. Don't ever compare yourself to someone else because we all have different life experiences. We're all starting from different places. We all have different goals. We all have different aspirations. And, you know, compare yourself from where you were six months ago to where you are today. Take a look back. I'm sure you grew a lot where you are six months ago so can you imagine if you continue to put the work in six months from now where you'll be just continue to have that mindset yeah absolutely absolutely great piece of advice well thank you gino so much for coming on today i think uh you know so much so much value that you that you bring and you share and, and you know kind of putting out there so um really appreciate your time thank you thanks jason take care everybody all right we'll go ahead and sign off have a good day everyone i'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.